0: Ask questions, search for answers. You don't always take kind of that first answer, that gut instinct. Sometimes your gut isn't exactly right and you have to dig a little bit deeper to find real quality, tangible answers. This is the Happen to Your Career podcast with Scott Anthony Barlow. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and make it happen. We help you define the work that's unapologetically you, and then go get it. If you're ready to make a
1: change, keep listening. Here's Scott. Here's Scott.
0: Here's Scott.
1: One of the most valuable soft skills that I've built over the last 20 years doesn't have anything to do with communication, or negotiation although that's been pretty valuable too it, but it doesn't have anything to do with any of those pieces in fact most people don't think of this as a skill at all but that's where most people would be wrong because practicing this and becoming better at it has allowed me to stop myself from settling so many times in the last 20 years now unfortunately it's also not very easy what is it it's the skill of paying attention to your gut feeling and intuition. Here's how it usually works. Let's say that you've been ignoring that feeling in your gut for months, maybe even years. Maybe it's about your job. Maybe it's been about how you're raising your kids or even the fact that you might be settling in your relationships. Whatever it is, now is the time to learn to start paying attention to it. Why? Well, because science and research tells us that your intuition is very useful for letting you know when things are off it's very very good at that so choosing to ignore that feeling is likely to your detriment now of course there's also limitations to your gut feeling and intuition it can only take you so far because it's not great at helping you understand why something doesn't feel right it's also not useful necessarily for getting you to the exact right answer instead but it is a great indicator for you to stop Reevaluate and choose a different direction.
0: I would say maybe not a skill, but definitely it's a level of self awareness that I definitely didn't have before. I think if you just go off of your intuition all the time, it's really not a level of self awareness that helps propel you forward. I think sometimes it can really hold you back. And for me, I needed to get to that level of self-awareness where I could look at myself and say, this isn't right. I have to do something different.
1: Alyssa Penny decided to stop ignoring those feelings just 18 months ago. Since then, there has been no looking back as she completely changed her career and even started her own consulting business. Here's her story and where she started out in her career.
0: So I actually started out in the HR career field as an intern while I was going through grad school. I had no idea what I wanted to do for a career. And an internship opportunity came up and I said, that looks good. Okay. So I I went for it and I loved it. I was at a manufacturing facility and I got to work with a lot of the folks on the manufacturing floor in a way that I didn't realize you could work with individuals in a work environment my prior work experience really didn't have me in that kind of a role. Knowing that I loved it and getting to learn a lot about how HR works, the company that I worked for had an opportunity to take that next step up. And so I said, okay, I love it and I want to work there and it's great. And so I actually moved across the country to take that position worked there as a senior HR generalist and analyst for the hydraulics division of this company in the Americas. So I went from an internship position and just went went for it, a big jump for me. And I needed to reassess that position after about a year and had to take a step back and say, okay, I think I went too quickly. Um, Reassessed, ended up finding a position with a municipality, which was very different from corporate HR. In the public sector versus the private sector, I'm sure you know that you have to work with citizens in a way that's very different than you work with employees.
1: How would you describe some of those differences? I understand just because I've had a lot of experience in being in and around both sides. My mom worked in municipalities. I think I told you Mm -hmm. one of the first times that we met, Mm -hmm. but I've also worked a lot on private organizations, but I'm not sure that everybody necessarily understands really what some of those differences are. And what that actually means.
0: A lot of it is because your employees are so customer facing, citizen facing. Yeah. You really have to be very specific in the kinds of folks that you hire and then the way that you train those people. A big challenge for a municipality is also budget. So not only do we expect you to meet the needs of our citizens, but also we probably can't pay you a lot to do it. So you have to find right, you have to find really creative ways to engage with your employees. And you really have to be that innovative HR professional that the business needs. And when I took that role, I was actually very lucky to have a mentor for the first city that I worked for for four years, who also had a manufacturing HR background. And so we were able to really, I guess, kind of create these innovative strategies, because manufacturing in municipalities can be really similar, because you're doing hard work, You don't get a lot of thanks. People are probably mad at you. You've got deadlines and how can we make this happen? So I would say definitely the biggest, those are some of the biggest challenges, but it makes you creative in a way that isn't budget restricted, which is really what I enjoyed. And it got me back into really loving doing HR again in that particular role.
1: I think that's one of the things that I appreciated about you when we first chatted is that we're finding ways to be innovative and finding ways to be creative. And I thought that was so cool. And I think that served you well since too, as you've moved later on, we'll talk about this later, but into your own business. But what caused you to want to change from that situation where you had that mentor and you were working you know, in that municipality. And for all situations, like there were a lot of good things there, right?
0: Absolutely. I really enjoyed it. But as anyone who's worked in HR probably knows, you have a little bit of burnout that happens when you're in a role for a certain period of time. And so I kind of started to feel that at the end of my time with that particular municipality. But Then my spouse had a job change, and so we moved cities, so I had to leave that job. And I ended up working for another municipality, and I got to work as an assistant HR director, kind of over that whole department. And just the environment was so different. I started going through, I think, some of the same things that a lot of people go through, where you start kind of dreading going into work. You don't feel like you're being utilized in the way that you know you can be best utilized you go in, you do the bare minimum, and you just don't feel that same resonance as you did with maybe a previous career, or you, know, you just aren't doing the things that you used to really enjoy. For me, I really started to realize that I needed to make a drastic change when I had a big health scare. After not very long in that position, maybe about eight, nine months into that position, I actually started to go through periods of not being able to see where my vision would just cut out and they weren't sure what was going on. And they said, you've got to make changes. You are incredibly stressed. Your medical information is just not, it's not good. You have to make changes. None of this stress. is
1: good. None of <laughs> also is good. the not
0: seeing part. <laughs> oh, right, yeah, right.
1: Yeah. I'm curious though. I've talked to a lot of people that have had you know similar periods of time and I've experienced that for myself too. Mine resulted in, you know, high almost anxiety they were anxiety type attacks along with a whole host of other things but i think that every single person i've talked to the experience has been slightly different and what was that like for you what was going through your head back at that time if you can recall and what were some of the realizations that you had
0: well i remember vividly (laughs) the whole situation really just realizing i have to change i have to do something differently I'm not getting the fulfillment that I needed with this position. And also I'm having these health issues because this position has added so much stress into my daily life and I don't have a good outlet for it. And so I realized that changes needed to happen. And sometimes that means you have to take that position that you were really excited for and walk away and reassess and do something different. And For me, I remember being very scared that if I didn't do that, I had doctors tell me that if you don't sort this out, you could go blind. You could be without your sight for forever. So that was a very good motivator for me to take a step back. As
1: far as motivation goes, that is uh, one way to do it.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Same with anyone, I think, with a, a heart condition, too. You have to make these changes if you want to continue to have a quality of life, a life worth living. So that's why I made my decision, really.
1: What do you think was your biggest learning through that time period? And I know we're joking a little bit back and forth, but I mean, that's that's pretty scary. And it's definitely something that is serious, to put it mildly. So I'm really curious because I know that the one thing I've seen from you is that every time you've had... Hard situation in your life, you have experienced some kind of growth through that. So, what do you think were your biggest realization, your biggest learning?
0: For me, my biggest realization was that the work that I had been doing didn't have to be the work that I continued to do, that I actually did have a lot of control in a way that I didn't previously think that I had.
1: Really? That's interesting. In what way?
0: Well, for me, I could walk away very lucky to have a supportive spouse who said, you know, this impacts both of us, so walk away. If it's not working, walk away and we can reassess. And for me, you know, I know I've mentioned it uh, to you before, but I have a very type A personality where I need to feel a lot of control over situations. And so even being able to walk away really was a relief to know that I could make those choices to reassess and sit down and go, okay, what can I do? to adjust. You know, I, I still want to work, enjoy working. I like the work that I do. So how can I make this happen in a way that I get to do what I like to do, what I do best, and really help the people that I have a huge passion for helping? Municipalities, underserved employees, nonprofits, that kind of thing. And knowing that I had resources that I could find, reach out to, um, actually stumbled across this podcast during that time frame and said, (laughs) you know what, I don't have to do this by myself. There are people who can help me through this. And that was really helpful to me. Um, It made me feel a whole lot less stressed, I think, than I would have felt otherwise. So yeah, I think it's kind of an odd reaction. But for me, knowing that I had control, it did just go a long way to relieve a lot of that pressure that I had put on myself. I don't have to do this by myself.
1: That's so interesting. I think that's actually fascinating too. And I feel like that's one of the, I don't know if that's really a skill. I was trying to think how I'd even describe that. But so like in my situation, when I went through that period... I felt like I needed to have some level of control. So I went and talked to my boss, and then my boss fired me. And then I was like thrown back into being, you know, that sort of helpless type feeling and not being in control and everything else. And I essentially had like a really short period of time and small, just next to nothing savings to try and do something about it. And, in some ways, I don't think that's cured me of wanting to feel in control, but it's caused me to figure out what I can influence in my life. And I think that that's such a powerful learning to realize like where you have more control or influence in your life. And I, that's not really a skill, but it's like, how, how would you describe that? Cause you've been through yeah. that now. So.
0: I would say maybe not a skill, but definitely it's a level of self-awareness that I definitely didn't have before. And being able to look at something, and I've gotten this feedback multiple times, ask questions, search for answers. You don't always take kind of that first answer, that gut instinct. Sometimes your gut isn't exactly right, and you have to dig a little bit deeper to find real quality, tangible answers. You know, because I think if you just go off of your intuition all the time, it's really not a level of self-awareness that helps propel you forward. I think sometimes it can really hold you back. And for me, I needed to get to that level of self-awareness where I could look at myself and say, this isn't right. I have to do something different. And understanding that sometimes you do have to ask for help and you have to be okay with asking for help when you need it and just know that that's okay. Because a lot of times I think we beat ourselves up for asking for help and feeling like I can't do this on my own. It, it did really help relieve me of a lot of that stress, to be honest. That's
1: such an important point. And you know, one of the things we've talked about on this podcast before is when you hear somebody say something, even if there's a lot of wisdom in it, you can take you know, that advice. Then often you don't realize initially the layers of <laughs> the layers of wisdom underneath it, and I think that's really exactly. what I'm hearing from you. I think that's one of those concepts you were talking about intuition and your gut feeling, and I think the conclusion that I've come to, both looking at the studies and research around it, but also just from working with a lot of people in this area and, and seeing just from an experiential level, is that your gut is really good at telling you when things are off, it is not necessarily as good at leading you to the exact right answer. So it, exactly. it's almost like you should not ever ignore your gut feeling because it's giving you an indication on sometimes levels that you may not fully understand about you know, what Absolutely. is off, but it doesn't always necessarily lead you immediately towards the right answer. And that's part of what I think I hear you saying.
0: Right. You know, for me, having that intuition I think you're exactly right. It does help you kind of put that pause in things where you go, okay, something is off. But then it's interesting because I've actually read, I've read a lot <laughs> with uh, a lot of the pause that we've had and some of the work that yeah. I do normally. Yeah. And there's actually a lot of psychologists talk about you know, the difference between your emotional brain and your logical brain. And so your intuition is your emotional brain, but then you have to say, okay, logic brain, what do I do with how I feel? And that's really where kind of they marry together. And that for me is what's been really fascinating. And I think that really speaks actually to my love of data and analytics <laughs> Not surprised. Uh, I'm not surprised. I don't think anyone is surprised to hear that. Probably I love numbers and data and analytics because you know, something's wrong. How can I find and pinpoint exactly what's wrong? Because then I can prescribe and I can fix it mm-hmm. from there those are
1: the things that I think about a lot. Yeah, me as well. This is not what I thought we were going to talk about at all. And I want to get back to some pieces of your story, but I want to continue to explore this for just a minute. Another layer underneath that I think is really important is you said something along the lines of, hey, that only takes you so far. And one of Mm -hmm. the weird places where we've seen that show up again and again, I don't know that Everyone is aware of this because we do it a lot behind the scenes and we don't talk about it on this podcast a lot, but we train career coaches and we train coaches. And that's one Mm -hmm. of the pieces behind the scenes that we have. That's a segment of, of, you know, happen to your career in our business. And one Mm -hmm. of the crazy things that we see again and again is we see people that are more naturally coachy type people that come in and you know, they ask really great questions and they are in some ways because of their strengths and interests they're sort of predisposed to be better at being a coach right 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 um, however also many of those people not all but many of those people are highly intuitive and mm-hmm. we find that that intuition to your point Only takes them so far. Once you understand, for example, techniques around coaching and you're aware of how to put them together for yourself, then all of a sudden you can be a great coach instead of just a highly intuitive coach. And and there's two differences. So that's an example that like pops into my mind. But here's what I'm curious about for you What prompted you in the first place to want to do something for yourself? Tell me about where that started to enter the picture and how you were thinking about that in the early stages.
0: Absolutely. It wasn't necessarily my intention to do what I do now, but I actually had a really great conversation with my previous boss from um, the position that I stepped away from. And she said, you know, you have a lot of these skills. Maybe when you get things settled down, maybe when you start wanting to get back into the HR world you should consider doing consultation. And at the time, I was not in a place to hear that information. Like, whatever. And, right. <laughs> Thanks. So, you know, I would like to leave and never look back. <laughs> I got a lot of time to sit and think about it. And really what kind of led me to that conclusion is knowing that I could control my work day and my schedule and I could control clients and work with people who really wanted me there. Mm-hmm. Because of that, I think that's the biggest barrier for a lot of HR professionals is having to work with people who, you know, don't want to let you in the building. You don't get to go to meetings. You don't get invited to things, and you're constantly having to fight. That makes you so tired. And so, getting to control a little bit more, There's that a- word again?
1: Control. <laughs> it just keeps popping out. It's all it just over just keeps the place, right? Out for me,
0: with having my high levels of stress in my previous roles, I knew that I needed to be able to control not just the kind of work that I would do, but also a little bit my work environment. And so I'm able to do things and structure things in a way that's really beneficial to me. So that way I can in turn, make that more beneficial for my clients because they're not getting me at you know 50% or 60%. I'm able to bring myself 100% at my best place. And so knowing that by taking a step back and reassessing, I could get to that place To be that person and that professional that I really wanted to be at the end of the day was really just invaluable for me to understand and recognize. And then knowing that I didn't have to kind of muddle through all of that by myself, again, just was really a relief for me.
1: Tell me about that. When you say not having to muddle through all that by yourself, what do you mean by that?
0: Well, I had never really considered consulting before. And I had never considered making such a drastic career change. Yes, it's still HR, but it's a very different facet than what I was doing previously. You know, you have to find people who want you to be there. You have to find people who are looking for exactly what you do. And how do I do that? I've never had to look for clients before. I've never set up a business before. Do I start out as a contractor? What's the paperwork (laughs) involved?
1: All the questions.
0: I had a million and one questions and I think I filled a couple of notebooks full of questions. And as I would get answers, you know, I'd I'd make a lot of annotations and footnotes. But, you know, I needed some guidance in that direction. But I also knew that because it was available, it wasn't quite so scary. It didn't have to be this big, life-altering change that I did on my own. And I felt just more comfortable and more confident that, okay, I can make this happen because I needed to reduce my levels of stress. It was just very helpful to have someone to kind of guide me through that process, not necessarily hold my hand, but definitely someone who could say, maybe we should think about this in a different way, or have you considered this instead? Or based on what you're saying, probably you should move in this direction. That's going to be really helpful and beneficial. It was really what I needed.
1: I feel so fortunate that we got to sit front row and have the opportunity to help through that. And you have done a great job in terms of spending your first, going from essentially nothing to your first eight months. Now you've had a few clients and partnerships. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to guess and take a shot in the dark and say that that was not easy to get to that point. Eight months is just to give people a background I've personally worked with a few hundred people helping them move through the starting stages of a business and making it profitable and getting first clients and everything like that and 8 months for some industries is is relatively fast like that's not a small feat to put it mildly so here's what my question to you is you know what have been some of The most difficult pieces that you didn't anticipate through that process of getting a business, in this case, a consulting business, up and running.
0: See, that one's a tricky one because (laughs) I only ask the tricky ones. You know that, Alyssa. (laughs) I know, I know it. Um, It wouldn't be fun if it was easy. (laughs) I think for me, it was you know putting myself out there and allowing myself to be okay with people telling me know or not hearing back from people, that was very difficult. You know, I had compiled a list of potential clients and I reached out and I heard back from, I think there were about 200 people on that list, mm-hmm. some of whom I've worked with before because it's a very small world here. And I heard back from two people and they weren't the people that I had known previously. <laughs> 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 and so that was very difficult. And, you know, I settled spent a lot of time with with my coach and I said, am I doing this wrong? And just really questioning myself, you know, am I even going in the right direction? Have I made a horrible mistake? I think was the hardest for me was to realize how much you have to continuously put out there and just how comfortable you have to be with hearing no, or even worse, hearing nothing at all. That was very difficult. And then just realizing that Something that's on my schedule isn't necessarily what's on somebody else's schedule and timetable. And maybe now is not the right time to reach out and you need to reassess and rethink. It was very difficult for me to get comfortable with that. But I absolutely feel a lot more comfortable with that now than what I did eight months ago. That's for sure.
1: So for other people who have been considering or maybe are in the beginning stages of doing their own thing or building a a business that they want to, what advice would you give them in order to move through the difficult process of becoming more comfortable with those types of things? Cause whether it's not hearing back or some other type of challenge that you're going to face, it, it's going to be difficult in some way and it's going to require a level of discomfort.
0: What do you think? I would say learn how to be comfortable with silence and learn how to be very patient with yourself, with whatever it is you're trying to tackle it's very cliche to say but you know Rome wasn't built in a day and if you have this dream that you want to move forward with doing you know in my case it was building a business i don't know of any business that is immediately successful overnight and as much as i really wanted things to move forward i'm sure a lot of other people have that one that desire as well sometimes you just have to learn how to be comfortable being where you're at and recognizing that where I'm at today, isn't where I'm going to be in six months. You know, I went from panicking to, I don't have any clients. I've been doing this for a couple of months and, you know, this, this isn't working out to, you know, a month after that, you know, time of panic for me. I had three people reach out to me and overnight almost I had these clients. And so it's okay if things take time and they're going to take time. Even though I only have a small number of clients now, I know that this time next year, things are going to look very different. And as long as I stay consistent and I maintain my patience, it will be okay.
1: (laughs) It's so interesting how quickly things can change. That's something that continues to fascinate me to this day. And you're right, a year from now, it's going to be drastically different. And then a year from then, it's going to be drastically different. And I think one of the things that I see Again and again, is that it's really difficult to look and say, Oh, yeah, this is going to be okay, okay, a year from now. And then to go forward knowing not exactly what okay is going to look like and not knowing exactly what result you're going to get. We as human beings have a tendency to not want to go after something, whatever it is, you know, career related, you name it, fitness, it doesn't matter, whatever category. Right. But but unless we, are sure of the result and the reality is there aren't very many guarantees in life so what what has helped you be more okay with with that that whole phenomenon
0: well there's two things that i constantly repeat to myself and they're kind of cheesy Um, you know one thing is if i wait until i'm ready i'll always be waiting you know i was not ready I was nowhere near ready, but I did it anyway. And looking back, I don't really understand my mindset at the time of thinking, of course you were ready. You're as ready as you're going to be. And um, Sometimes you just have to take that leap and go for it. And then the other thing, and I think I've mentioned this to you before, but you know, being bad at something is the first step to getting good at something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, yes. Even if you're going to start something, you're probably going to be bad at it. And you're going to learn a lot because you're going to go, oh no, I'm very bad at this thing that I've done. How can I make it better? And that's how you hear all the time, learning from your failure is the important thing, but no one tells you how to learn from your failure. Um, You really have to be okay with not doing well, because at the end of the day, even if you don't do well, you can take a look at what happened and say, here's how I can improve it and make it better for next time. And that's how you know you're always going to be in a different place, you know, six months from now, a year from now. Um, and I do think it takes a lot of, you know, guts and determination to continuously be comfortable doing that and assessing where you fail. Cause it's not comfortable. I don't think anyone likes failing and not doing well. Um, I don't know. There's also a little bit of comfort in knowing that it's not just me. Other people have done this and have also done it badly yeah. and have turned out to be very successful. So, why can't I do it badly and then learn and be better?
1: I love that. Absolutely love that. One, because it's true. And two, <laughs> because I think it's a helpful lens to look at this through versus any of the other lenses that have a tendency to pop into our mind as human beings. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my goodness, I can't do that because, insert your reason here, mm-hmm. if I'm going to choose a way to look at it, I'm going to choose one that helps me rather than a different way. So I, I so appreciate right. you sharing how you have thought about it too. What else surprised you as you were going through the process of, of building a business? Yeah What, what did you experience that uh, maybe you didn't anticipate that it was different than how you how you thought it was going to be in reality.
0: Um, I would say for me, learning how to adjust the way I feel about my need to control things. <laughs> <laughs> in what <laughs> um, no way? Well, you know, I can't control my day to day. I can't control what my clients do or if and when clients happen. But there are things that I can control. And so instead of focusing on these things that I used to, I've adjusted and say, okay, I can't control this piece, but I can control how I react to it. I can control you know, myself and I can, I don't really know of a great way to put it, but basically I'm able to be comfortable with, the areas that I can control and I've learned to be more okay with the things that I can't control, even though those felt six months ago, a year ago, like really big things Um, that really surprised me because I'm not known. I think my spouse could tell you, my friends could tell you, I'm not a very flexible person in some (laughs) of those ways. Um, And so learning how to be flexible and how I approach situations and how I approach, uh, you know, my business, And how I do things. Uh, It it was a pleasant surprise for sure.
1: So I've started multiple businesses and my personal opinion has been the first year is the hardest part of the journey. So for all intents and purposes, like you've now done what I believe is the hardest part of the the journey, like zero to one client is (laughs) uh, the hardest part or And it doesn't mean it's without challenges for what takes place in the future when you're growing or scaling or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, if you decide at some point to bring on, you know, employees or team or whatever, it doesn't mean it was without challenges, but you've kind of been through in many ways, the most difficult part in getting started. What advice would you give people that are maybe back at that beginning stage and they're thinking about getting started and yeah. They're, they're in that place where you were not that long ago, eight, eight, nine months ago. And, you know, what, what would you want them to know? What, uh, what advice would you give them?
0: I would say it's going to be hard. Don't let the fact that it's hard keep you from doing it and keep you from pushing forward. Uh, because it, it, there were a lot of times when I, you know, didn't know what was going to be happening or I said, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Um, and it did, it got really hard and you know, I'm still, I'm almost all the way through my first year, a few more months. <laughs> um, and I know that it's still going to be hard. There are days that are going to be very difficult, but just because something is hard doesn't mean that giving up is the answer. Um, and so really having that perseverance and my spouse calls it stick-to-itiveness. Um, love
1: that. Borrowing <laughs> to, that. Yeah.
0: Um, you can patent it. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, just being able to have that resolve to continue to keep working when things are hard um, because it, it will be very hard. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie or sugarcoat it
1: why do you feel it has been worth it for you you know from i'm guessing based on like our conversation before this and you know what your coach has shared with me and everything that even though it's been hard this you still feel like that this is the direction for you so i'm curious that must mean that you feel like even though it's been incredibly difficult, that it's been worth it. So I'm curious, is that accurate? And if so, why has it been worth it for you to go through all these things that are really, really difficult in order to have this in your life?
0: Yeah. Uh, for me, it really feels worth it because it's allowed me to have the freedom that I really need to where, you know, if you work in an office, you work for somebody else, it's really difficult to, if you need to take, a break or if you need to adjust your projects or if there are things that you don't enjoy doing, you don't really get that choice. And so for me, it's been worth it because I do get that choice. You know, I get to take the projects that I really like um, that really resonate with me and I get to help other people achieve their company's goals using HR strategies. And for me, you know, it just, it it kind of warms my heart a little bit to be able to do that. Um, That's really where my passion lies. And so getting to constantly pursue the things that I'm passionate about for me is worth it. Um, You know, and it, like I said, it does give me a lot of freedom where, you know, with my health stuff, you know, if I need to take some time away, you know, to go resolve some things, I can do that and not feel guilty. Um, previously, I was made to feel very guilty about taking care of myself. And for me, it definitely is worth it to not have that feeling of guilt constantly hanging over me. You know, maybe I do work at seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night um, because I had stuff going on during the day, but I don't feel bad about that either. Um, Having that flexibility and freedom for me has made it more than worth it.
1: I so appreciate you sharing that. And it means a lot for me, one, to just get to have this conversation, you know, eight eight months later or so. and you've done such an amazing job. and uh, yeah, we've we've talked about it being difficult and everything else along those lines. However, you know, I really think that you've done a phenomenal job in making this happen for yourself. And I just want to say, first of all, congratulations. And second of all, thank you for taking the time and making the time and coming on and sharing your story with all of us.
0: Absolutely. I know a lot of people are probably in the same place that I was in, um, that you were in. It's normal, almost, um, or it's very common. And just because it feels normal or it feels common doesn't mean that you have to continue going down that same path. And so I'm, I'm very thankful for the opportunity that I had to get to work with a, you know a career coach to help really assist me in that thought process and get me to where I am now, essentially. Because I don't think I would be, even my spouse uh, during this whole process mentioned that you wouldn't be where you are now without the guidance that you've received, um, So honestly, both of us are thankful for it.
1: (laughs) happy spouse too is a bonus. That's not something yeah. we have, uh, ever, you know, advertised on our website or put into our marketing or anything like that. Maybe we should be saying, what, what is
0: it? happy spouse, happy
1: house, happy spouse, happy house. Yes. It's happening now.
0: Yeah, there you go.
1: Well, seriously, you've done a phenomenal job and I so appreciate having you here. And, uh, I want you to keep me posted with, uh, with how everything is going, you know, as the next year happens and beyond.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. It'll be an interesting year. Um, certainly it'll be an interesting next couple of months, um, just with everything going on globally, but you know, all we can do is stay agile, realize that we can't control that, but I can adjust where I'm at and we'll make it happen.
1: Hey Many of the stories that you've heard on the podcast are from listeners that have decided that they wanted to take action and taken the first step of having a conversation with our team to try and figure out how we can help and if you want to if you want to implement what you have heard. And you want to completely change your life and your career, then let's figure out how we can help. So here's what I would suggest. Just open your phone right now and open your email app. And I'm going to give you my personal email address. Scott at happened to your career.com. Just email me and put conversation in the subject line. And then when you do that, I'll introduce you to the right person on our team and you can have a conversation with us. We'll try and understand your goals and what you want to accomplish in your career, no matter where you're at. And we can figure out the very best way that we can help you and your situation. So open it up right now and send me an email with conversation in the subject line, scott at happenedyourcareer.com.
0: It was an ever expanding, never ending to-do list. It was difficult to convince the higher ups that I could do what what I knew I could do. Your bosses are shutting doors and having secret meetings
1: all that and plenty more next week right here on Happen to Your Career. Make sure that you don't miss it. And if you haven't already, click subscribe on your podcast player so that you can download this podcast in your sleep and you get it automatically. Even the bonus episodes every single week, sometimes multiple times a week. Until next week, adios. I'm out.